Good morning. Am I on? Am I on? We're good? Yeah, um, it, it, is good, it is good to be in here this morning. It's good to be in a service where um, while I'm teaching, I may not have anybody raise their hand and need to go potty. Um, and though I love that, I love being with the kids, I love being with the teens. It is good to be here on Sunday morning. We joke as a staff because um, since I've been here, every time Pastor Paul's had a, a week open, a week that he's not preaching a staff sermon, I'm always the one is the first to raise his hand that wants to, that wants to preach because I love being up here. I love being in, in big church, and I love um, teaching the Word of God. But uh, today, the text we're going to look at, it's going to be in John chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, John chapter 2 is going to be verses 23, 24, and 25. And, and, and I, I'm going to go ahead and say it up front. It's a, it's a tough text. Um, it, it's, it's a tough text to understand. It's a tough text to live out in our own lives. Um, this, this is not one that, that is, is up front. You don't have this verse memorized, probably. It's not a very, a very common verse, and it has some weight to it, and I just want to lean in to that weight this morning. It's a little discombobulating, maybe if you were raised in church or you were really close to someone who was raised in church. When you read this, it, it may almost seem like it can't be true, um, but it's in here, it's in the Bible, so we're going to look at it because the Bible is perfect, Amen. Um, so we're going to look at that this morning. And it's also what I call like a, a read-through text. Like if you were just reading through the book of John, it may not even, it may not even catch your attention. It's, a, it's three transition verses in between um, Jesus cleansing the temple and the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus and Jesus and he asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus saying, you must be born again. So it's three verses in between those two stories and it, and it keeps those together. And we'll read it together. John chapter 2, starting in verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Now that, that makes sense, right? We're, we're on path. Many are believing in Jesus. They're seeing what he's doing and, and, and they're believing in him. We're with that. The problem comes in verse 24. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, now that, that's a little bit of a problem. We're not used to that. In this text, we have people coming to Jesus. We have people wanting to believe in Jesus. We have people coming after Jesus. And Jesus says, on my part, I'm not going to entrust myself to you. He, he, he denies their faith. He says no to them. So if I'm reading this correctly, and I believe I am, there is a type of faith that Jesus does not accept, which is scary. That, we got a problem now. There's a type of faith that these people were coming to him with that he did not accept. What do we do with this? Well, what I want to do with the rest of my time this morning is I want to look at why maybe this was. What were these people doing? How did they approach Jesus that Jesus said no? And to make sure that's not us. To make sure we're not making these same mistakes. So hopefully it will be a loving reminder for some and maybe a loving rebuke of others to help us and to, to encourage us to run after Jesus the way we should. Because all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus respond very differently to people. We see people come to Jesus and he give himself over to them, give themselves to love them, show grace to them, come into their homes. We see him react so differently than this all throughout the Bible. So why in, in this case does he say no? Well, we get a hint of that answer in verse 24 
And I'll read it again. It, it says, picking it up halfway through, it says, He knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So, so there are two things this can mean. When it says Jesus knew all people, he didn't need anyone to bear witness because he knew what was in the hearts of men. So it can be like, like individually. Like he knows each person individually. He knows their bents, their thoughts, their hearts. He knew how they were approaching him. He knew, that he knew how they were coming to him. And he knows us. He knows our thoughts, our hearts, what, what makes us tick. He knows each one of us individually just like he knew that crowd. He, knew, he knows where we stumble, where, where we're tempted to sin the most. He knows the heart of man. And, and this is a little hard for us to understand because we don't know the heart of, we, we don't know the heart of each individual. Why? Because we're not God, and He is. He knows we don't. Now, now we may like to think we do. We may like to think we understand why everyone does what they do. Have, have you ever said, like, um, like, you've had a coworker or something that just gets on your nerves, and they keep doing this thing that's aggravating, and you've just said, well, they just do that because they, and then fill in the blank, whatever. Or, or, or you know someone a little bit, like you, you don't know them that well, but you know them a little bit, and you find out through a friend or through Facebook that they've made a very bad decision and, and that has really wrecked their life a little bit, and you say, man, I just, I never saw that coming. I never thought they were capable of that. Because, because we don't know. We don't know the heart of men, but Jesus does. And, and for whatever reason, with this group of people, he knew I can't entrust myself to them. You, you, can't, you can't fool Jesus. He knows our heart. So, so if you walk in here and someone asks you, how are you doing? And you say, man, I'm doing great. And in reality, world is on fire all behind you. You're not, you're not fooling Jesus. <laughs> He's not like, oh man, I guess, they're, I guess they're doing great. They said they're fine, so I guess they're doing great. We, we can't fool him and neither could this crowd. It is like playing hide and seek against someone with x-ray vision. We, we cannot fool him. But, but there's another meaning to this. It also means Jesus knew what was in man in general. He knew what was in humans in general. And, and he knew that every human at its base is a sinner in desperate need of his grace, in desperate need of his mercy. And that sin that we commit often, almost always, plays itself. to be about us. We want things to be about us. We want things to be easy for us. It leads us to lie. It leads us to mistreat people. It, it, leaves us, it leads us to give ourselves over to pleasures that the Bible is clearly against. We, we want things to be about us. And even as we move forward in our relationship with Jesus, even as we move forward in becoming more like Christ, these are something that we're always going to have to to fight against these thoughts. We're always going to have to fight against these ideas of having selfish ways. It, it, it's, it's always going to be much easier for us to think, man, it would, it would be nice if I didn't have to go help them move that couch today. Y'all ever had like a Saturday off and you get a call from someone who never calls you and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm moving houses. Will you help me today? And you're like, oh my goodness. Y'all ever been there? We're always going to have to fight these, these selfish desires. This is true for... Two-year-olds, this is true for 72-year-olds. It is in all of us. It's kind of how we're wired. It's why we're constantly told in Scripture. It's why Jesus was constantly saying, deny yourself. Take up your cross 
Paul always talks about put, put away the old self, put away the selfish desires because we are quick to think it's all about us. And Jesus knows this. He knows that we are, we are pulled in a way that is to serve ourselves and not him. We are pulled in a way that is to serve ourselves and not serve anyone else. But this, this still doesn't quite answer the question of why he wouldn't entrust himself to these people. If everyone is selfish, yeah, but it still doesn't answer the question. When I was, um, when I was in elementary school, and I'm about to tell on myself with this story, I'm going home to visit uh, next weekend. If my grandma's watching, I may get a spanking when I get home for this. Um, but when I was in elementary school, my grandma would pick me up. Uh, my, my mom was a school teacher. My dad worked in town. So my grandma lived right down the road from elementary school. She would pick me up, and then my mom would come get me later in the day. And if I was good all week, there was a gas station right down the road. And if I was good all week, I would get to go to the gas station and pick out a snack. I'd get an ice cream cone or whatever. Um, and then we'd go home. So this worked perfectly until I was about in, in third grade because I was an honest little boy starting out until I was about in third grade. And in my elementary school, the way we did it was you flipped a card. Like if you got in trouble, you had to flip a card. So you started on green and there'd be yellow and orange and red. There, I can't remember them, but you'd have to flip a card. And I realized in about third grade that they didn't call home unless you got to red. Unless you had to flip your card all the way to red, they never even, your parents wouldn't even know if you got in trouble. They wouldn't even know if you got yellow. And so I realized this about third grade. And then after I realized that, about every week I got to go to the gas station. I always behaved after that. My, my grandma never found out if I had to change my card. I would throw one in every now and then to throw off the scent. But, but about every week I got to go to the gas station because I was behaving pretty well. See, I didn't really care about honoring my grandma. Clearly, I was lying to her. I didn't care about honoring my teacher. I didn't care about behaving in a way that honored them. I didn't care about living in a way where I could, I could learn to be mature and I could learn to, to follow directions or any of that. I just wanted a snack. I, all I cared was about was the, was the snack on Friday. All I cared about was the, I think I liked frosted honey buns. That's disgusting to me now, but I think that's like what I went with, the frosted honey buns. Ugh. But I, that, that's all I want. That's all I cared about. And I think that's a little bit of what's going on in this text. I, th I think that's a little bit of why Jesus says to these people, I'm not going to entrust myself to you. So let's look back at verse 23, and I think we see this. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. When did they believe in his name? When they saw the signs he was doing. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So Jesus, Jesus was, I mean, he, he obviously he healed people. I mean, he made the blind see. He had just, actually earlier in this chapter, he had turned water into wine. I mean, he, he was doing all of these things, and the people believed in him when they saw that. You know something interesting? This is a point I tried to, I tried to push with the youth group a couple weeks ago. The book of John, I mean, maybe you have like a, different translation, but most translations never use the word miracle. It's always a sign. It always says Jesus performed a sign. Why? Because a sign points to something else. A sign points to a greater truth, a greater reality, whether that be shows us how Jesus works in salvation or whether that be shows us how Jesus provides for us, how Jesus satisfies our soul. A sign points to something greater, and that's always what John says. 
Because Jesus didn't just perform miracles to do miracles. He performed miracles to show us greater truths. He performed miracles to show us greater realities. And what I think is happening in this text is this crowd, they saw the signs and they loved the signs. They didn't really care that much about Jesus. They, they loved the healings. They didn't really care much about the healer. They, they loved the miracles. They didn't care much about the miracle workers, about the miracle worker. That they really liked the idea that Jesus could make my life easier. Jesus could give me what I want. But they didn't care much about loving him. So we see in this text, I think, three marks of faith that is unacceptable to Jesus. We see three marks of, of, of what this crowd is doing that Jesus says no to. So let's look at these. One mark is... It's all about us and not about Christ. It, we want it to be about us and not about Jesus. Again, these people really liked him because they thought, oh, he can give me what I want. He, he can give me the things I want. I think they would have liked him a lot if, if he would have stuck to that. If he would have just blessed them, worked some miracles, and got out of their way, I think they would have really, really liked him. And, and we... If we're not careful, we can be pulled in the same direction. I heard a, a story of a, a very good football player recently. Um, you may have heard of him. His name's Lawrence Taylor. He's, he's one, he may be the best player at his position ever. He's a very good football player. He went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and that has nothing to do with the story. I just wanted to mention it as a Tar Heel fan, so y'all would know. Um, but he, he's, he's one of the best players ever, and when he, he played for the New York Giants, and he was the best player on the team, and I heard a story that his uh, assistant coach told. So in football, you have a head coach, then you have like offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And the defensive coordinator was the assistant who was over Lawrence Taylor because he played defense. And he told a story of how Lawrence Taylor would, would re pretty repeatedly show up late to meetings. He would, he would not quite be putting in all the effort that everyone else was putting in because he knew he was the best player. He didn't have to do all that. They needed him so bad that he could show up late to meetings. So, so one day the assistant coach got so fed up with it that um, he, he went to the head coach and he said, look, Lawrence is showing up late. Nobody else is showing up late. He's, he's just doing it because he thinks, you know, he's the best player and he can do whatever. What do I do? How do I get him to not show up late for practice or for meetings? And the head coach looked at him and says, you don't want him to show up late. Assistant coach said, yes. What do I have to do to not get him to show up late to a meeting? Head coach said, uh, don't start the meeting without him. It was all about Lawrence. They knew they needed him so much. They were just going to give him whatever he wanted to please him. He didn't have to, to fit in with everyone else. They just, he just wanted everything to be about him. And we can be the same way. We can want the same treatment. We want everything to be about us. And we can start getting so focused on uh, what I call uh, felt needs, our, our needs that are, that are right now, that, that truly do matter. We can start getting so focused on, on those things that we forget about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We get so caught up in the things we need now or the things we want now that our relationship for Christ starts turning into a little more like him serving us instead of us serving him. And that, 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 that brings me to the second thing that I think is a mark of this crowd is 
it is more about felt needs than ultimate needs. Now, when I say felt needs, I'm talking about things like, like finances, health, material things, food, clothes, even things like friends, like important things. But those start being the ultimate thing for us if we're not careful and we can start getting in with this crowd like that. So, so please don't hear me say God doesn't care about that stuff because he does and he will provide. He is a great provider and he does do that. It's, it's just not the most important thing. Being a Christian, following Jesus is not about loving him because of what he can do for us. It's about loving him because of who he is and what he has done for us with his life, death, and resurrection. Not because of any blessings we feel like we have or have not gotten, but because of how he lived his life and how he died and how he was raised from the dead. Does he care what's going on in our lives right now? Yes, absolutely. But our ultimate need is what is most important to him. Our ultimate need is that we have Think about this. Sinned against powerful God. That is, that is the ultimate problem. That, that is the ultimate problem. And because of Jesus' great love for us, even though he had not sinned, he took the punishment we deserve. That is what loving Christ is about. Not, not because of what he can do for us in the here and now, but because of what he has done for us with the cross. That is what loving him is about. He does care about the things that go on right now. He does. But it's just not ultimate. And, and, and the third thing that I think we, we can kind of pull out of this passage, we don't see it directly, but I think we can kind of pull it out. That, that's a mark of, of someone who is in a, a faith Jesus may not accept is it's not marked by obedience. When, when you're just following him just to get you, you may not be that invested. You may not want to obey. You may not want to follow his commands in any way. Um, in, in John 14, Jesus says, those who love me keep my commands. And, and this, is, this is a little tough to teach um, because what I don't want you to hear is that you just have to leave here and do everything right, and if you don't do everything right, God doesn't want anything to do with you. That is absolutely not what I'm here to teach. That is against Jesus. That is against the gospel. That's actually what the Pharisees taught, and Jesus hated it. So that is not what I'm saying. But if you truly flow out of that because of your love for him. So let, let me explain it like this. Like, um, so Shelby and I have been married for about four and a half months now. And here's what doesn't happen. I don't wake up in the morning and say, well, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not feeling that great about Shelby. I'm not feeling that love for Shelby like I should. What can I do? Oh, I'll, I'll do the dishes. I'll, I'll go buy her flowers. I'll, go, I'll sweep the floor. And, and by me doing this, I'll start loving her more because I'm doing all this stuff. That's not at all how it works. Because I love Shelby, I do that stuff. Because I love Shelby, I serve in that way. Because I love Shelby, I do those things. And that's exactly how it works with Christ. We don't, we don't read our Bible. We don't serve others. We don't, we don't do these things in order to drum up some little inclination of love for him we do those things because we loved him and because he loved us first that is what it means to be to be marked by obedience now not that we get it right every time because we will not we will not we will sin the bible is clear that you will continue in sin once you are once you are in relationship with jesus but there has to be that desire that has to be that that longing in you 
to be more like Him, to obey Him more, to, to fulfill His commands more. Not that we do it perfectly. But so, so do you see that the line I'm trying to walk here where I'm trying to explain to you that you're not going to do it perfectly, but there, there has to be something. There, it, you really see it more in your affections. You really see it more in, in how you feel about it than, than in your performance. Do you, do you want to love Him more? Do you want to serve Him more? Is there a longing? Because it, if not... I want to lovingly say that's a dangerous place to be in. If you have no desire, no love for Him to follow His commands, that is a dangerous place to be in. And that's where this crowd was when Jesus said, I will not entrust myself to them. So, so I, want to, I want to flip over to Matthew chapter 8 and we can um, contrast Two, two stories of this one where Jesus said, I'm not entrusting myself, and this next one where Jesus obviously loves the faith um, of this man. Matthew chapter 8, verse, I'm going to read verse 5 through 10. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy of, to have you come under my roof, but only say the word for my servant, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. So we have, we have one story of, of a crowd approaching Jesus, wanting to believe in him, and him saying no. And then we have another story of this man coming to Jesus with a need, and Jesus saying, I haven't seen faith like this man. I have not seen faith in all of Israel like this man. So, so what are a couple things that this man did, that this man had, that the, that the other crowd didn't? Well, one is he approaches Christ humbly. He approaches him humbly. This man wouldn't even, he wouldn't even let Jesus come into his house because he was like, I am not worthy. He calls him Lord. That is, that is a sign of him saying, I serve you. You don't serve me. I, 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 I'm not here to take from you. I serve you. You are Lord. It, it, if you want to be the point, if it's about you, it's a, if it's about what you can get out of it, there's not much humility there. It's pretty much just, Give me what I want and get out of my way. But this man comes in humbly before him. Humbly. And the second thing is, he understood his reliance on Christ fully. Fully. This is a man who had given up trying. Given up hope in, in helping his servant. Given up hope in, in anything he could do. It was only about Christ. It was only about Christ. We, read, we sang this morning about how we want him to be the desire of our heart. It was only about him. That was his only hope. There was nothing he could do. This is a clear sign of a faith that is acceptable to Jesus. When we understand that there is nothing we can do in life and certainly understand there is nothing we can do for our salvation in ourselves, it is only for him. And that's how this man approached Jesus that caused him to say, I have not seen faith so great 
as this. And the third thing is, it, it is marked by obedience. An acceptable faith is marked by obedience. When, when he calls him Lord, that is, a, that is a dead giveaway sign of saying, I am under, you are over me, I serve you. That is a sign of someone submitting to another, someone you serve. And again, when I say obedience, I don't mean perfect obedience. We stumble forward, as I like to say. We, 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 we don't get it right, but it hurts when we sin. We, we feel something because we want to be more like Him. We want to be like Christ. So, so our lives, when we do love Him in an acceptable way, we are marked by obedience, or at least a, a desired for obedience. So, so what do we do? As we leave today, what do we do with this text? In light of seeing Jesus not accept someone and in light of seeing what it takes for Jesus to accept someone, what do we do as we leave? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this out. And I want you to think of a couple things and, and examine yourself in a couple ways while I'm praying as, as, we, leave, as we leave today. So e- examine your desire for him. God, do I, do I even care to be like you? Do I, do I walk out of here and then kind of forget and say, well, if I'm all right, I'm all right. If I'm not, I'm bad. Or, or do, you, do you want to be more like him? And, and another thing, this is, this is just as, a, as, a, as kind of a warning to you. Examine, examine your prayers. Do, do, you, do you pray to obey him or do you pray to, to exalt him more with your life? Or do your prayers look more like a shopping list. God, God I want this. I, I want this. Can you, can you give me this? Can you do this? But never get at your heart and say, I want to be like you. I want to serve you in the best way I can and glorify your holy name. Th- these can be some indicators um, that, that, you, that your faith is, is true and good and acceptable to him. And it moves us more towards making Him the Lord of our lives and serving Him humbly because He is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of our lives' submission. So as we pray, I pray that you would, you would dive into your heart, dive into to your relationship with Him, and pray that He change what needs to be changed. So Lord, I thank You for who You are. I, I thank You for for all that you have done for us. We are, we, are, we are so unworthy of your grace and you are so worthy of all praise we could ever give you. Lord, I thank you that, that you put this text here in John 2 so we could see it and we could be warned and we could see in Matthew 8 the way we should approach you. God, make us humble. Humble us before you. And I pray that, that we don't make our relationship all about us, but it's all about you, Jesus, because you are worthy of every bit of it. God, I pray for each person in here as we leave today that we would be more like you, would be more drawn to you, we will be more knowledgeable about you, God. And I ask all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. 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 Um, I think uh, an usher will probably come here in a second and We'll all be dismissed. Thank you.